On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to review Game 1 Nets Celtics titled The Beatdown. Uh, I have a bit called Proud Dad, Sad Dad. Great. About the game. And we'll talk about, you know, how that leads forward into game two. And uh, a delicious quote by Billy King that we will definitely talk about by the end of the show. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, hello, Brian. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself directly behind that paywall. Mm. A dollar a month for the first six months that you have the subscription. TheAthletic.com slash Glue Guys. Brian. Michael. The Nets are back. I can relate a little bit now to the Nets based on I had a bad start just then. I had it my my <laughs> intro was a little was a little off. I had a bad start. Yeah. You're you're the Nets three point shooting in game one. Yeah. Your voice was that. Yeah. Um I think it's the, so so there's a decision podcasters have to make. Every podcaster who follows a a, a team that is in the NBA playoffs mm. has to make this decision. How soon do you pod after that first game? That's right. Do you do an immediate post game show, or do you kind of give it a little breath, a little time to breathe? You wouldn't think about it. Mike and decant. I were up all night Saturday night thinking about what what the optimal time is. How how to decant this episode? You know, <laughs> to let it breathe. And um, and we decant. We decided to decant it. We've been up since that game. We haven't slept. We've just been waiting for the moment, and this felt like the perfect moment, recording at 3.32 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Monday, May 24th, to talk about Nets-Celtics Game 1. And I think it was important to wait because, and I tweeted this out after the game, it the emotion, the early emotion of the game, the things that we saw at the beginning of the game, the Celtics hitting big shots, uh, the Nets sort of shaky, a lot of like one-man basketball on offense, it felt like during the game, the Nets weren't maximizing and the Celtics looked more, I don't know, more competitive mm. than they should have been. Um, but of course, then the Nets go on and they have a really great stretch in the second half and they win by 11 points and we feel pretty good. As I've gone further away from the game, I feel better and better about what I witnessed in game one. Better oh. and better. Wow. Go. All the data Walk points me through your journey. To, start, to, start to finish. I want the I hero's mean, journey. I, w I was legit worried in game one. The Celtics were playing an inspired bit of spirited basketball. Okay. And, uh, you know, but, th but then the second half happened and Kevin Durant started to guard Jason Tatum and James Harden got a little bit more assertive and Kyrie Irving kept doing Kyrie Irving things. And the Nets firmly treat it, it felt more actually like a, a regular season game in the second half. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. It felt in, it, in terms of that, the Nets were still able to sort of flip the switch in that time and then just extinguish the Celtics' chances of coming back. How did you consume the game, Brian? I went, I was live. I was live at Tailgate. Shout out to Tailgate Brooklyn, which was a fun time. I think we're going to do more live ones, probably at a different place, closer to the Barclays Center. Just 
for everyone's sake. Just on the escalator. People yeah. are just going to be going around with the escalator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> taking might, shots every time you get up and down i might just you know haul out a, a cathode ray tv and just set it up outside barclays you know sit indian style sorry i would love crisscross applesauce i meant to say crisscross applesauce the the great people at sony are listening yeah i think they own the property that is the teenage mutant ninja turtles mm-hmm. marketing idea and i would love to be oh. a part of this uh, a pop-up in we we get an abandoned subway car <laughs> And we make it up like wow. what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like their <laughs> their home look okay. like. I've o- that's always been the ideal home for me. You know, I watch a lot of HGTV, and I've never really seen the yeah. The there's con- no the show that replicates subway, subway cars. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a whole and, station in the, like the second and third movies, right? They have they right. Like, it, they really pimped. I mean, it they out. got more money. They had more endorsements by that point. It kind of expanded subterraneanly. But yeah, uh, and so you just want to put a TV in a subway car, is what you're saying. That's yeah, the, and I want to know. sit with a bunch of turtles and eat <laughs> yeah, pizza yeah. and watch um, the Nets. But yeah, no, I think it was that's good. an idea. It was good. I'll say this: I had to watch it again <laughs> because I was, you know, we had we we had to turn up. You know, we had yeah, to. Exactly. How am I going to tap into my prim, my primal playoff version of myself? Otherwise, you know, Angel Dust was <laughs> yeah, I had to Angel Dust mainline was some PCP and you know turn it up. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. We just had some. We had some. Bets. Oh, that was a joke. That was a joke. Got it. Um, uh, but it was good. Uh, so you know, be on the lookout for another version of that. You know, hopefully, hopefully something like that happens. Um, but I did have to watch it again because I was slightly distracted at times. Though I caught the. I was more tapped into the vibe, right, rather than the details. <laughs> so I had, I had to go do the detailed version. And I, I agree with you. After watching the detailed version back, I did feel better about what I saw the entire first half, basically. Um, you know, just in the first quarter alone, just watching Evan Fournier take super contested Please. falling, drifting threes and stuff. It's just not in a, in that microcosm of that one game wasn't st- sustainable. That's sort of my feeling. It was like they yeah. played as well as you possibly can play. And it was good enough to get you a six point lead going into halftime. And then we may never see that again. That's how I sort of feel about it. Did you though feel that during the game? Like, I think there was a real sense. There's a little anxiety because the expect I mean most people had been predicting a sweep not just us mm-hmm. um pretty much everyone was predicting that the Nets were definitely going to win game 1 it felt like oh shit is like Evan Fournier going to be this x factor mm. that is going to flip the series because obviously with Jalen Brown out um you know the the Celtics have limited options offensively it's basically Jason Tatum Kemba Walker was not good in game 1 Kemba played pretty bad I actually thought Peyton Pritchard was more of a problem. Mm. I don't know what he did offensively, but he felt more impactful than Kemba did. Obviously, Kemba's like Kemba's going to have some good games of this series. Mm-hmm. It's just going to happen. It's like he's too good of a player. But I don't. I was worried, and then the worries subsided after Kevin Durant switches on to Jason Tatum. Yeah, and I, this is going to be in Proud Dad, Sad Dad, my my segment that I'm okay. going to do later about Game One, Round One. Um, that was the takeaway moment is Kevin Durant hobbled rehabbing hamstrung Kevin, (laughs) the contust, the Mm. contused Kevin Mm. Durant. It's a tuss. It's a tussin. Taking on Jason Tatum head on and saying, I'm going to teach you something. Yeah. Pull up, pull up your chair. This is playoff time. Yeah. JJ. And I'm going to teach you something. Yep. And he taught him a lesson. Yep. Biology 101. It was pretty was good. I mean, that, that matchup in particular, you got to be, to borrow your phrase, heartened by what you saw there. Because the way that Kevin Durant was um, 
was putting up a fair bit of those numbers was just through like crafty slips. You know, he was just like getting doing like backdoor cuts and stuff. You know, just like just old just old man cleverness of the, the highest degree, um, as well as the his normal repertoire of things. But like you know, he he was having little breakout steals stuff we haven't seen since uh, since like January. You know that kind of stuff. So it was good to see. It's good to see him get some easy bucks. I'm just going to break into proud dad, sad dad, and it will lead to perfect conversation. So I'm a father. Brian knows this. Um, I have two sons, both under the age of three. and Two sons and 12 daughters. daughters. (laughs) But I haven't seen any of my 12 daughters. Yeah, they exist out there. I just don't. I don't pay attention. The tradition of the smelts is this is this is how things <laughs> we are cast done. out yeah. our women. They are the they are the hunter gatherers right. of our family. Ooh, they are out there pillaging for food while us. Men oh good. Get oh good. Zoom's gonna die again. Uh, in our homes. Um, what a weird reference. Um, so proud dad said that there's moments as a dad that you are proud, and there's moments as a dad that you are sad uh, for things that your kids did. So I felt game one round one. Here are things I'm proud about, and here are things I'm sad about for the Nets. The I'll start proud, Brian. Uh, I'm proud about the Nets defense. The Nets defense, yes. Uh, the, they held the Celtics to 61 points over the first, third, and fourth quarters. Kyrie, I thought, had his best game um, as a net defensively. Um, I, I, you know... The Celtics only scored 93 points. I felt like that was that was the second biggest tech takeaway besides Kevin Durant's performance in the game. The Nets play defense. Mm. That's like if for a long term, if we're talking about being proud, yeah. that's one of those indicators. I agree. And in my detailed watch back, um, I don't know if anyone was talking about Blake Griffin specifically, you know, playing defense, but being very switchy and handsy and, you know, all the kinds of things that we wanted to see from there. But yeah, and just in general. A handsier, uh, playing the passing lanesier Brooklyn Nets defense. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know that word. Um, yes. but yes, and yeah, totally agree that like, you know, that when, when the chips were down, if we were going to pull, you know, pull on some lever to make a change, like I w- you don't expect them to, to, to pull the defensive lever, lever. That's not one you often see, but you know, here we are playoffs. That was going to be the big meme. Can you just get it? Can you just turn that defensive switch on when you need to so far? I don't know. I think I think you might be able to pull a lever, Mike. And, and this is my comparison point as a father. It's like as a dad, senior kid, share a toy with another kid for the first oh. time. You've been training them the whole time, and say, you know, sharing is a big part of childhood and, and, and being a parent. You want the kid to share. You don't want the kid to be a selfish child. Yeah. And seeing your kid share a toy organically for the first time, amazing. It's an amazing feeling, and th- for the Nets. They haven't been very good on defense for most of the year. And to see the, the, them turn it up, again, 61 points over three quarters against the Celtics. The Celtics, yeah, they don't have Jalen Brown. But I actually thought the Nets, even when the, the Celtics were hitting those kind of crazy shots in the first quarter, mm-hmm. I felt like those shots were like they were being well defended. Yeah, The Nets players were there putting pressure on the Celtics. And if they continue to play defense like that, you know that could be able to do from game to game, but if they continue, if they can turn it up to that level, what like what's the other what questions could you have? Why not turn it on from game to game? Why, why do you think you think it's eh, just it's too hard? It's just you get too bored. hard. You do it you once you do it. <laughs> get bored. You do it you once know? you do it again. Harden was switch. kind of bored in the game. If yeah. we're gonna be like he was a little bit, and he's one of my other proud moments. But like he was a little, 
there wasn't full effort Harden. It wasn't like I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate you, James Harden. It was more big. Mm. Remember when James Harden came to the the Nets? It was more of like in the flow. Mm. I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna manipulate the defense, but I'm not gonna be all encompassing. Yeah, Houston Rockets. A little deferential. James Harden. Yeah. Can I say a sad thing? Was it gonna make me? Is that was gonna be too much for me to take? Yeah, I think it may be. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Here's we'll get, my we'll sad. Yeah. Here's sad dad. Okay. The non-Big 3 Nets, okay? The Big 3 Nets scored 82 of the 104 points mm. in Game 1. Joe Harris was the only non-Big 3 Net to score in double figures, and he scored 10 points. And so, like, it's okay. If I'm going to compare it to something as a father, uh, it's as if your kid has been potty trained for a number of months now, and then they just decide to, like, pee in the corner of a room. And you're like, come on. Come on, guys. Mm-hmm. It's not the worst thing in the world, but you also are at a point where, like, if you're going to want to continue to have more uh, flexibility and independence in life, I'm going to need a reliable uh, bathroom breaker, okay? Yeah, sure. Can't have you peeing in the corner. Um, and and so if the Nets want to win consistently against the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Lakers, or maybe the Phoenix Suns, um, there has to be a role player out of outside the big three to step up in a big way. I'm going to zag on you on this one, Mike. Ooh, okay. Love it. Because I was really happy to see just how dominant the big three were, especially <laughs> with all of the, you guys haven't played enough stuff circulating out there. So I did want to lay a tone. It's a good zag. How about That's that? It's a really good zag. How about that zag? I mean, well, it was nice to see, and we did select Joe Harris as like one of the guys we did want to see get some, get some O up. So he did like his, his thing, you know, to a certain extent, but I, I did want to see like a big three, like what it would look like in exact in your example <clears throat> against like a, you know, a Phoenix, you know, let's, you know, getting ahead of our skis here, go to the finals, right? We're just shooting, at, shooting the finals, you know, when, when those rotations truly contract and it's really about your, your, you know, the top, you know, half of your, of your rotation, got to make sure that that's, that that's tight. That's cohesive. That's clicking and working in all the ways. So getting at least just like one. I mean, now we can get Nick Claxton some reps and whoever else. You know, I'm happy we got that thing out of the way. Um, but I did want to see at least one dominant version of that. So I'm zagging. I'm zagging here. I think that's a re- that's a really good point because now I, the problem in the first half for me was that the team was it was too much. Like, hey, Kyrie, do your thing. Hey, Kevin Durant, do your thing. And and I'll jump to one of my other sad points. Uh, sad dad, three-point shooting. This is an obvious one. The Nets shot 23.5% from three in game one. Kyrie, Harden, and KD shot a collective five for 24. Yeesh. Yikes. That's not very good. It's because a lot of those were pull-ups, just like no rhythm. Yeah. Not Now, Kevin, I think Durant had a wide-open corner three at one point that got that I think Harden got, got from or whatever. But, like... I think part of the problem with the offense in game one, and again, it's all fine, the Nets won, was just that there was there was some awkwardness. Mm. I do think that there was still some awkwardness. There was still there wasn't the cohesion that we saw earlier in the season between Kyrie and Kevin Durant or Harden and KD or Harden and Kyrie. I still think it was disjointed. Though if you're being sad, it's not that bad because yeah. they won the game. And they will and if anything, it's a, a good point because the Nets will regress. I guess, do you regress back to – it's not a regression. It's a progression uh, back to if you're below your average 
and you're trying to go back up to your average, it's a progression. So the nets will the nets will progress. Uh, progress back, back to the mean. Back to the mean. Yeah, it wouldn't be you wouldn't regress to the mean if you're below some your, your return mean. of the future type. Share here, Mike. <laughs> You've blown my this mind. This is Tenant. Yeah. We're talking yeah, about Tenant. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Tenant? I did. I did watch Tenant. I did watch Tenant. What did you think? Um, I I remember feeling like I wanted to to leave to stop watching it. <laughs> you wanted to you wanted to walk backwards out of the room. Be like, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know why I felt it was so it's so long and um, I like I like the the premise of like a you know it's like a new James Bond uh, series and you know there's there's moments in it but I was just like. I don't know. For whatever reason, I just like I, I just really want this to end. That's how I felt. That's how, <laughs> that's how I felt. I don't know. I I mean, I think my viewing experience was I had watched uh, Kong v Good Godzilla was uh, the second to last movie. Just, Mortal Kombat was the first to last movie, and then I watched Tenet. So like the gap in mm. quality in terms of just story structure was massive. Yeah. So for me, Tenet hit. It was it hit pretty it was hard. Clicking. I liked it. I don't. It um, caught me on a weird day. It caught me on a weird day. I might have to go back to it. I'm sure other people have made the joke. If they could, uh, Christopher Nolan, of course, did Tenant. If they yeah. could do a Tenant Inception crossover where we're going forwards and backwards in time while also being in dreams and incepting people, I think yeah, uh, that would be the worst movie of all time. Yeah, that could I be would, that. that would be I'd weird. be so terrified. Um, let's do this quick break. Coming back, more proud, sad dad. First round, game one, Celtics Nets thoughts. And we're back. Can I be a proud dad? A proud dad for a second. Better than being a proud boy. Yes, be a proud dad. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Shit, I better change the name of this yeah. whole. I mean, we, we did compare Kemba Walker to an insurrectionist. We didn't compare him. We called him an insurrectionist. We're just we're just putting it out there. It's the marketplace of ideas. Okay, we're, it's not. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're floating that marketplace. Yeah. Um, proud. Nick proud. Claxton. Okay, Nick Claxton only played 11 minutes, but he had six points, five rebounds, a block, and an assist. Um, I thought he should have got more minutes mm. in game one. I think pretty much like every Nets fan believes that Nick Claxton should play all 48. Yeah. Um, he's the one guy on the team, besides Durant, that is effective at altering shots at the rim on a consistent basis. He's the only big man, besides Durant, that when he's around the basket – Opposing players have to take notice, and they don't. They just don't feel that there's a free abandoned. Uh, there's just a free lane to the rim. Um, I liked the 11 minutes I saw out of Nick Claxton. I almost wonder if, like, if Nash is withholding him to some degree. Like, mm. he has to see. He's a better. I will go on the record and say this, Bri. I think he knows more basketball than me. Steve Nash. Okay. Do you agree or do you think that's – am I wrong? Do you think I should give myself more credit? I'm open to anything. I'm open to anything. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think Nash knows that Nick Claxton's really effective. There's probably a reason why we're not getting a ton of Nick Claxton. There yeah. has to be – because he is the best defender outside of Kevin Durant on mm. the team in terms of talent. And we're not get, we still – like we only got 11 minutes from him in game one. Yeah. They could have used someone like him in parts of game one and they didn't go to him. There has to be something else there that I'm not seeing. Do you think right. I mean so they we did a lot of Jeff Greening and Blake Griffining. That was that seemed to we be did. that was the thing. And so for for that, when I think about okay, let's let's get in Steve Nash's brain, right? We're portaling in through the kaleidoscope. Um it's sunny, Santa Cruz, 
you know, we're getting, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, what, what I'm trying to <laughs> keep going with yeah, it. I'm, no, it's like, a palm, I got, Oh, I got hit with a palm tree. We got an American like, yeah. Americano. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a there's little a, cinnamon in there. A Niswa salad somewhere. I don't know. Um, Perfect. And what I'm what I'm trying to say is that why does why is he prioritizing that? And the, what the common thing that they share is spacing, right? So is is he thinking that Nick Claxton's utility is limited here because he's the only big on our team? Well, not the only, other than DeAndre Jordan, who is still heavy DNP life. He's um, a sad dad right now. He's a sad dad. Um, what is it about the spacing that he's able to forego a little bit more of our? I, I just don't. I don't think he respects Boston's offense enough to want to play Claxton. Like, I think he just thinks that, like, you can get most of what you get defensively against, like, you know, a lot of – it's Tatum who you're who you're mostly concerned with. it, But, like, after that, it falls off pretty heavy. I mean, Kemba, obviously. And there's nothing front line really to worry about there. So I think he's like, yeah, keep it spacey. And if it's really giving us a problem, like – Keep yeah. it spacey like Kevin, <laughs> yeah, right? Keep it spacey like Kevin. And if it's really giving us fits, then, all right, we'll throw some claxon at him. But, I, you know, I kind of don't see it where that, where that like – super defensive needs coming from. So this is a, an irresponsible thing for me to say. And I apologize. The Nets have only won one game and a lot can happen. The Celtics could discover something in the, in the film room that unlocks their offense and shuts down the Nets. And this series could be much more competitive than I think, but I'm going to say how I feel. Okay. Mm. What I would love to see, let's say the Nets win game two and they win game three. I actually want to see Claxton guard Jason Tatum for extended stretches just to just to see how that looks. Because now Claxton is a big and his role will always be to guard bigs. But when he was on Giannis in the Bucks game, Giannis was there was like a Giannis had to recognize that Nick Claxton was on him because Claxton's athleticism, I'm not gonna say it matches Giannis, but it's I mean it's an approximation. And Jason Tatum, while not Giannis, very skilled, is long. Like he looked, you know, 6'9", maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's not probably not that much shorter than Giannis. More skilled than Giannis, less powerful. I want to see Nick Claxton deployed a little bit more on like the best wing player. Because if you can disrupt the wing on the other team, whether it's, I mean, I'm not going to say LeBron and Nick Claxton, but LeBron and Nick Claxton, Kawhi if they're if it's the Clippers, you know, uh, Giannis for the Bucks, Ben Simmons for the Sixers, or whoever else we want to say. I just want to see it, you know. Yeah. And, and you don't want to deploy that uh, weapon in Game Two or Three because, like, that's like a real experiment. You really <clears throat> should be experimenting in the playoffs. Yeah. A three-zero up, three-zero. Game four, that's the experimentation zone. That's the safe space. That's the Moderna vaccine trials. You know what I'm saying? That's like, yeah. let's, put the, let's put the needle in some arms. Let's see what happens. I'm right? interested in that thought. I think if I was really going to imagine it, because like, here's how I see Claxton. I think Claxton's a, you know, pretty deft at being a help defender. Like That's his real skill in, this, in, in defenses, right place, right yes. time. Um, <clears throat> help defense. You switch him off in a guard, and he can do one possession of just about anybody. I do feel like if you if you were like tasking Nick Claxton with Tatum, like a dedicated six Tatum minutes, Tatum might might roast him a little bit, just because it's it's a it's a size <laughs> speed strength you know kind of combo that might not that Nick Claxton might not have the best answer for. Um, but to your point, I'd be, I'd be interested to see it. Maybe not in a playoff game, but I'm interested to maybe. A, 
maybe a regular season or preseason game, get some looks at that. I mean, the Giannis thing is going to be really interesting. If he gets real minutes against Giannis, I'll be, I'll be very interested in, in like our long-term plan for Nick Claxton. And, and on our YouTube, we're, we're streaming this live on YouTube for the podcast audience who doesn't know. You can, you can get in there, find the glue guys on YouTube, subscribe. You can follow us. Every time we go live, you're going to get a little notification. Um, our YouTube chat is discussing, you know, who's the best perimeter defender, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant is 100%. Like Nick Claxton is technically not a perimeter defender. And I agree. Uh, and, I, and I'll get to Kevin Durant in a moment. I think... I just like the idea of trying to figure out because Nick Claxton had injuries this year and I think he was in COVID protocol, right? And like he was in and out of the lineup. I, I'm interested in still the experimentation in round one because that's the only time you can experiment because in round two, it's going to be a seven game series. Yeah. Most likely. We're going right, right to Milwaukee. It's going to be. Yeah. This isn't like round two Knicks Hawks. Did you watch where? that first heat game though? Hectic. I, the playoffs. Yeah. What? <coughs> do you want to just quickly do this? Because my gosh. Yeah, let's do the, do the bit. Oh, do the playoffs. I don't, I don't have bit. a bit. It's just me just, you know, <laughs> gushing over. I mean, it's just so nice, obviously, to have the people back. But the games themselves have been truly a joy. This has been, this was sort of like the parody of like last summer that like, for whatever reason, the bubble. I'll, I'll admit to like the bubble and just like life in general threw me off from like really loving playoff basketball in the way that I, that I wanted to. And this is like the season where it's like it was delayed effect, but like this is what we all wanted. The pair, like there's enough stars on every team that it's pretty unknown who's going to come out of it this year. Um, and it's a real joy. It's a real joy. A lot of storylines hitting everywhere. It, it's it's been uh, fan. Sorry, my brother's texting me about. I'll tell you later. Um, <laughs> no, let's lay it out. <laughs> family family drama. Let's go. Uh, he listens to the body. He probably knows what he just texted me to. Um, the, <laughs> all right, all right. Between you guys. <laughs> that's about, it's about one of his favorite writers is going somewhere else. Anyways. Um, all right. Yeah. The, it, this is it. Like I forget. And I think the NBA forgets how great NBA uh, playoff basketball is. And, and then when you get to the playoffs, like we've already seen. So the play-in was amazing. Right, like a unequivocal success. Lakers Warriors was like the best rated game in three years or something on ESPN. Uh, immediately, a story comes out that Adam Silver is going to push for the midseason tournament because of how successful the play in was. You what? go through this long season, it starts October, November. It, you know, guys are missing games, there's injuries. There's like these like Kings Pistons matchups that you're just like, what is happening right now? And then we're here at the playoffs fans coinciding with fans being in the stands. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. It's a little bit magical. Like I I was kind of one of those people who's like, oh, fans don't really matter. No, they matter. Like it. Yeah. Humans matter. I'll say that. Uh, It's nice to see humans around watching a game. Like I, that effect, having people in the stands. Fantastic. I'll say this, and it's going to make me. I mean, my my butt hurt and animus is going to come out a little bit here, but um, yeah. I was, you know, the Spike Lee versus Mike Strahan <laughs> energy levels is it's a little bit unfortunate. <laughs> I'm just synthesize it down to that. I would love to see a diff, you know, a more animated version of who's our yeah. who's our guy, who's our baseline guy. I mean, Ethan Hawke is a Nets fan. Ethan Hawke is our baseline guy. Come on. <laughs> Well, we need Ethan, Ethan Hawke is a talented, poetic, quiet, introverted, creative young man, middle-aged man, old, elderly. I don't know how old it was. Sixties, probably early sixties, late fifties. But he's not. He's not Spike Lee. 
Stomping well, so, around on the sidelines like a like a toddler in a puddle, Mike. It's different. Yeah. It's a different vibe. Yeah. So what do you do? So Jeffrey Wright is an actor, esteemed actor, has been in many great things. He loves the Nets. So it's like who? So Jeffrey Wright could firmly be in in the the Spike Lee seat for the Nets. I believe in his passion. I've seen him on Twitter. He shouts out like he's had many Alize Johnson tweets, and I think if you tweet about Alize Johnson, <laughs> that's like this. That's like. If you're a Weezer fan, bring it up. I mean, I'm not a Weezer fan, and I, I don't know what the replicable album would be, but there's some album that Weezer's it's fans Pinkerton. probably like. It's Pinkerton. Pinkerton, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Um, anyways. Whatever, Weezer fans. Whatever, yeah. losers. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, there isn't a great, but there's no comparison for Spike, right? Like, I'll just be honest. There's no, the Lakers don't have a Spike lead. Now, they have Jack. But Jack brings a totally different vibe. So for the Nets, maybe you don't even go with like the sort of the living embodiment of the excitement of the moment. You just go with like a real chill, you know, who's the most like relaxed. Maybe you go, who's like the most like, relaxed. Wait, what? Yeah. Like you just bring a different vibe. Well, I mean, it's Jay-Z, <laughs> obviously. Jay-Z, Why do Jay-Z want, doesn't count No, anymore. I'm saying we want the opposite of relaxed. I want a... I want I, like a spastic well, person. I want a <laughs> <laughs> I want, who's like, I don't know, a, the Chris Var- Farley equivalent. I want a complete ham down there. Um, It was amazing. And I, and I, the, one of my proud dad things is that the crowd at Barclays was fantastic mm-hmm. and it was great to like that energy. You actually felt that energy watching the game. And I'm sure inside the stadium, um, the arena was fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank um, you. It's an arena, not a stadium, please. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do my proudest dad moment because there's really not nothing to be sad about about the game. Oh, proudest moment. The biggest moment I think coming out of game one mm. was Kevin Durant's physical aggression. Wow, in the game. Yeah, the way he, how about that fall? Oh my lord. Oh my. He God. was so not hurt by that, and that looked so calamitous. Like that was a terrible fall. Did, where you were watching the game, did they have the announcer audio? No, we through? had Darude Sandstorm for five hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was annoying. I, that's one of the yeah. de Blasio's laws. He did universal pre-K yeah. and Darude Sandstorm must be played during sporting <laughs> events if you're not at that's, the sporting that's event. That's what I was getting. Thank you, de Blasio. Um, so on the call, I forget who was doing the game. But like the announcers, were like, oh my god, yeah, Durant is like they they um, in the moment were like Durant is dead, <laughs> it was, Durant died. It was like mankind getting thrown off hell in the cell. Like, oh god. <laughs> oh god, he's broken in half. <laughs> yeah, and it was, and they were bringing that energy, and they kept replaying it, and you saw his skinny body and his arm crumple behind him and you're like oh the crumple arm well the thing is is like when you are like a just a bag of bones like that you know you could take a big bump you know you can take that hell in the cell bump and uh (laughs) and be fine i guess that's that's that is his rubber bones you know um but proudest dad moment uh kevin durant's physical aggression took 12 free throws in the game drawing Mm -hmm. fouls he deed up jason tatum what i love about that is that that's a weapon that Nash can deploy, but it shouldn't use all that often, right? It's like in the playoffs in Major League Baseball, is having the starting pitcher, who's like your third best starter, come in as the relief pitcher, as the setup man, you know, come out of the bullpen, fire in fastballs, three Ks in the inning and leaves, right? Like that wears out your starting pitcher. It's an overuse you would never do in the regular season, but in the playoffs and when the games matter, you do that. Kevin Durant Ding up the other team's best player undoubtedly their best player 
was a huge moment mm. and it had a huge impact on the game. And Duran is already doing it. It's showing he's no longer contused or contussed. Yeah. Uh, he he is in it to win it. And Nash is willing, like Nash willing to let that happen, allowed KD, and while still on the other end being as dominant he was on offense, pretty amazing, bro. Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, Chris Paul like bumps into his own guy and uh has all kinds of i mean that I game was wild was i only wild saw the game. highlights of that one but yeah. like fights and it was a good game it was a really uh, good game lebron had a like oh my god he, he his arm may be out of the socket and and then was immediately fine the problem with typical with, i here's the thing typical when LeBron. you're selling an injury like that and you go like very specifically into something small that's a bit much just I, I just feel like there's like an ethical almost thing going on there because like he was like oh like my el- it seemed like his elbow had like hyperextended or something very specifically and then was like fine but it was, you could tell as part of he was like to borrow from wrestling he was he was working an angle right it was a gimmick well and LeBron mm-hmm. has a history of the, an injury possible even post game so like he broke remember when he broke his hand or or yeah. whatever it was at one point and then he he had a he had like a cast on it or a brace and then the next game he was playing or what it's like I just feel know, like he has he, a history of yeah. playing up these injuries. In the playing game yeah. against the the Warriors, he said he was seeing three rims. I know. And but yet much. he comes out not not having a face mask on or anything. It, Come on. It's too much. I mean it's just when you get down you like, oh my pinky, my pinky and then Jordan would never just do too that. Specific. Jordan would actually try to injure himself to make the game even for others. You need to pick something more nebulous, like a just a broad like I got, I'm shaken up, the head shaken up, you know that kind of thing. Um, Anyways. So anyway, so to me, Kevin Durant's it's a big deal. Like he threw his body around unfortunately, but he did. Yeah. He went to go to the line. He he purposefully tried to get fouled to go to the line. He played defense on the other team's best player. To me, the comparison point is like when your son kicks a racist in the balls, you know? No greater moment. Is that is that, is that a that's thing how that's I my kids to just kick racists in the test. How process. what's going on in Maryland? Is this a problem? I mean, it's a right. confluence of a lot of different things down here in Maryland. It's sounds like it sounds like a kind of crazy like a town. wild town. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Certainly, very wild six months ago, or however long ago it was. All right, um, insurrectionists. You know, ah, Kemba right. Walker. When right, Kemba right. Walker was down here, rabble rousing havoc. That he, yeah. Um, I, I mean, game one again. I, the the di- we talked about this at the beginning. I think the distance between game one actually happening to now. I feel better and stronger about the Nets post that mm. game than I did immediately following that game. Uh, the defense was there. Yeah, I think Emma Walker is probably going to play better. Uh, but there were so many times that Tristan Thompson or Jabari Parker was guarding Kevin Durant or James Harden or Kyrie Irving that you're like, it's a problem. That's, that's a, always going to be a problem that's a for big the problem. other team. That's a long and problem. it's going to be a big problem for Brooke Lopez. Ooh. And the Bucks series, if that happens. Exciting. Nice. Um, let's do Do you have anything else on game one before I take a quick break? Please. Quick break, right back. Uh, a Billy King news item that oh. I, I just have to share. Okay. And we're back. Um, so Billy King, uh, I guess, the, so this is from netsdaily.com that I'm seeing this aggregation. So, my familiarity with the source material, I apologize, is not as strong as if we were quoting the Torah, you know? Yes. Um, but anyway, so there is a book from Matt Sullivan called Can't Knock the Hustle Inside the Season of Protest, Pandemic, and Progress, 
with the Brooklyn Nets superstars of tomorrow. Um, which mm. I, that seems like a great book. Yeah. Um, Matt Sullivan had a series of tweets where I, he interviewed uh, Billy King, former Nets general manager Billy King, and he says Billy King said to Mr. Sullivan, uh, "The Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry trade was all about trying to get Kevin Durant." who was then with the Oklahoma City Thunder to come to Brooklyn. And he said, this is what the the this is what Mr. Sullivan said. The focus was Durant. It wasn't LeBron. It was do everything we can to put ourselves in position to get Durant. Billy King telling Sullivan. I was in a position where we saw where he saw me and knew you just make sure that if you do everything right, that they take notice. And we had done a great job with the branding and opening. And if we can be a playoff team, we can get on national TV. And when it came time to get Durant in 2016, this is in 2016, we would be able to get that conversation. So the whole, this is, uh, there's a lot more to it. And this, but what the basic core of it is, is Billy King saying that trade was all about, the Kevin Garnett Paul Pierce trade was all about convincing Durant to come in 2016. This is, a beautiful 60, example of retconning history. Full-blown 60 to, chess right there. You never to, see it. Now, I I will give I will give Billy King this bit of credit, okay? Now, Billy came on our podcast uh what? My stream is not really flying. Keep going. Uh, Billy King came on our podcast like 5 years ago where he was in fact, we were the first if we can consider ourselves this, the first bit of New York City media to get Billy King to come on and to talk about his time with the Nets. The the thing about him is that he was honest with us at the time and basically was like, ownership, and he, anyone can say this, ownership wanted us to do this deal. And I didn't want to do the deal to the level that it was. It was one thing to begin with, and then it became Pierce Garnett, Jason Terry, and it became all the pieces that it became, and it became all the draft picks it became. Um, I do think as damaging as that move was, like there is some element of like, hey, the Nets are trying, right? The Nets are trying to be a bigger than they are, right? In that moment, that's what they were trying to do. Um, but I, I think it's a little funny and silly for <laughs> to to try to claim credit for Kevin Durant's arrival in Brooklyn off of that trade. I don't I don't know if that's a fair thing that we could be doing, mm. Brian. Um, do you have anything to say? I know our internet's acting very split. <laughs> I, I literally think my wife just like reset the modem while we were, <laughs> while we were live, <laughs> which, which, uh, thanks everybody for bearing with that. Um, potentially yeah. <laughs> I don't know. we'll check in on that, but yeah, no, it's, I got nothing. That was great. All right. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. We'll be back in your ears. We have a really fun bit later this week with a, uh, net super fan. Who's a big movies, I don't know, big movie fan too. No, he's professionally a movie critic. Uh, we're excited to unveil that next episode later this week. Nets are one and zero. They have one win, fifteen more to go for their championship this season. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Mike. Really good stuff, buddy.